Welcome back to the Waking Up From Work podcast. You're listening to episode 94 of the podcast tonight. This is your host, Dave Swillam, and we're coming at you live again, this time from, well, actually, I was going to say this time from Gray, but most of the episodes are from Gray, so it's not really the biggest change. That's actually part of it is right now we're like a mile away from my place, and uh, we're hanging out with the guys from Craft Curbside here. If you're ever up going to Craft Curbside, they are a hyper-local sourcing from local ingredients, curbside pickup place, essentially. It's not necessarily a restaurant, but it's not necessarily like a takeout thing. It's a big mix of things that we do with craft cocktails and cocktails they make themselves and just a big bunch of things that are happening. And uh, we'll get into it a little bit more, but if you're ever here, definitely hit me up because I could walk to come hang out with you. And uh, it's, I was telling them when I first got here, it's kind of a special story for, they've got a special spot in my heart because we were drinking some of their cocktails when we were like doing our last tours and being like, yeah, this is the one that we're going to do this. So a little bit of them in our uh, decision-making process here, but Thank you guys for having me live from your your spot here and having me yeah, in no your, your yeah, kingdom here coming. at Craft. Yeah, thanks for bringing us on as guests. Like I was saying earlier, it, it means a lot to be able to sort of share our story. Uh, it's pretty unconventional, but I think a lot of things are unconventional right now. Of course. Yeah, for those out there that don't know, these guys opened up. They opened a business during COVID. How's that? A, a restaurant during yeah, COVID uh, when yeah, restaurants are <laughs> closing, shutting down doing outdoor dining, having to change their whole system and flip what restaurants have been doing for uh, dozens of years. Yeah. Our kind of advantage was that we, we didn't, we weren't open before is almost sort of our advantage and we weren't planning on opening a conventional restaurant or we were, um, but we had pivoted into something that's completely different. And we think that that's kind of a, a structure that is sustainable in these times and total that, that can work a total bit advantage. Yeah. Wow. I mean, that's, I mean, it's daring. Like it's definitely like, I give you guys huge props for doing that. Cause so many would be like, Oh, I'm just going to wait for things to be settled. But also like, you're right. Like, and we'll get into it totally. Cause you we were talking about some of this stuff earlier, but you didn't, you have the advantage of not having this set up that had no idea that COVID could be an existing thing on the planet and yeah. that that would do any of that you knew what was going down at least. And then that is what's so cool about your business is you literally made it for the way that people are working right now. But really importantly, I, I think I talked to Tyler one time I stopped in. I was like, it's so smart because I really think like definitely like, like our generation, but I think even more, I think really everyone's on board with, I think this is a thing that we like. Like people like to be oh, able yeah. to get food and pick it up and you guys have a lot of things that are extra to like a normal takeout thing. You have a lot of extra offerings that are way past that. But yeah. for those out there that don't know Craft Curbside, do you guys want to run people through like, what's the business? What, what, how did this happen? What's this about here? Yeah. Well, so I, I guess Chase and I, I if, to give a, like a brief synopsis of what happened was that yeah. Chase brought uh, myself and Tyler on to help run the bar program at Liquid Riot Bottling Company in Portland. And I want to say like maybe six months into it, Chase and I were, we had talked about, we kind of realized that we saw eye to eye as far as uh, just the general idea of like how to run a restaurant. Sure. Sort of like the macro scale of like what's good about restaurants. 
we, we were sort of just talking, you know, dream-wise, like, what would it be like to op- open a restaurant together? And over, I, I think it was, like, during quarantine, we were like, we didn't have anything to do, and we were like, so what would it look like if we were to open a restaurant? And we were already playing around with some of the numbers and looking at statistics and things like that. Yeah. And the, the industry, like, as a whole, was already moving towards takeout, uh, towards delivery, just people ordering, you know, on an app on their phone. Yep. Or just grabbing something that they could, you know, finish cooking at home. And Chase sort of built the business pro- the business plan around COVID. And- yeah. So, yeah, we've been working with, like, SCORE, which is an awesome help for small businesses that cool. are opening in the area. We worked with SCORE, and we were talking to our mentor, and she gave us a lot of help in terms of the initial plan, which was a big 150-seat restaurant. Sure. And then out of nowhere, we found this space. And in 24 hours, we pivoted. We did a whole new business plan, a whole new financial breakdown. Because this out. is totally, yeah. this is completely different completely than that different idea than that you we had initially. Picturing. We were picturing a farm-to-table restaurant with a high-end cocktail bar upstairs, like people have seen, but not in this area, essentially. 120 seats. Yeah. yeah. We wanted to bring like that, that big, sort of modern, but like relaxed fine dining to the Bray yeah. Wyndham and that kind of was the first thing to go was the big, the big rooms and the the big fancy service yeah. and yep. lots of people touching sitting of, down at a yeah. bar <laughs> what well, used to be a good thing of lots of people being involved in your service and making it that extra level is it's no longer positive to have six people touch your stuff yeah um, and visit your table through the day and pour you water and do all the different things like that yeah um so kind of figuring out how best Everything with us is driven around hospitality and like that concept of still delivering hospitality. So how best to do our level of service, our like quality of products, but also still getting that at like a level of hospitality that we would be happy with in a format that fits with the 2020 kind of scenario that everybody was going through. So we were all sitting at home on unemployment, (laughs) figuring out when our restaurant was going to let us come back and do what we've been doing for the past couple of years. and this kind of fell in our laps and we couldn't really turn it down at that point. So do you think um, that COVID and having that time and that honestly motive, probably extra, even extra motivation, like pan to the fire. Do you think that that pushed this like sooner, this plan that you had, like this, I don't think we did it. Yeah. I don't think we could have ever opened a concept like this in a time other than during COVID we opened on the most minimal scale of a restaurant that's probably ever opened other than like a hot dog cart on the side of the road. We pretty much had nothing. Um, we were selling, I think we mentioned you, we were selling strawberries for day one. Um, we went and picked strawberries and we sold quarts of strawberries. We, so. we, had, a, we had about as much resources <laughs> yeah. as, uh, as somebody's lemonade. Yeah, exactly. So we are. started with pretty much like a handful wow. of dollar bills and have kind of built it from there to what we have, which is a yeah. full full establishment with like beverages and stuff. <laughs> I, I looked at our first menu recently and it's a, it's a full page menu with three items on it. Yeah. And we, did, <laughs> we did three sandwiches yeah. for our, our soft open and um, a, uh, like a crab cake made with, uh, with lobster. Yeah. It, it, it should be mentioned though, that we, we've had a lot of support from family and friends uh, and, and friends in the industry, and the three of us have very patient wives. Yeah. Very. Oh my goodness. Uh, yeah. Shout so definitely, out to the uh, ladies. A that's, lot of support. That's huge. <laughs> yeah, definitely yeah. a lot of support across the board. And honestly, even people we didn't know, and like just people in the area here who've been super great, and yeah. Gray, who were 
excited to have something that was like local and was actually selling them food that was grown in the area. Please. And had a little more thought into it. I, a lot of people probably aren't familiar with Gray, and the reason behind that is there's not a lot here. Yeah. Um, there's not any really food options. I live in Gray. So having more options is something that everyone was kind of looking for. So. Totally. Yeah, I mean, for us, like, obviously, there's amazing food in Portland, yeah. you know, and people are moving to Gray and Wyndham and yeah. obviously South and Westbrook and all these places. People are moving out of these these places to afford to hang in Portland, but uh, it's still the cultures there of, of this is the type of stuff that people want to have around, they want to have access to. They might have access to something like this in, in Portland, maybe definitely not the same exact stuff that you guys do because it's very original but uh offering that to this community it's huge for me and meg selfishly like this is stuff that we really yeah really like yeah and even honestly after we've opened like a lot of other people have seen this as an area that does have a lack of stuff like i think there's three new restaurants that have announced they're opening in the next year and a half something like that in gray in gray no way Um, there's places that because portland has dropped off so much there's um, spots like Yardy Ting. They're looking at opening a, their second space here when they started in Portland. Um, so to be branching from Portland to a space like Gray is interesting. An, an expression of the times. But I think we kind of came in a little ahead of people who were so focused on the city that was booming because Portland was booming on food. Right. Um, and everyone's like, oh, I want to be in Portland as opposed to the vast majority of people who are actually living outside of portland and commuting that 15 minutes in and that's right have anything in their in their area so i think one of the things that we were looking at was the the, the housing crisis in portland was pushing a lot of like uh middle class folks like out of the the city center and to suburbs and even further out than that and uh and they were sort of like it's like do you drive 30 minutes to portland to get like some good like independent restaurant like food that's right. like made by hand and you know hasn't been you know ultra processed and is locally sourced and uh, that's why we we're like yeah this this area is really underserved and it, it should be noted that like yeah it's, we've started we started off really small but there's a lot more that we want to do in the future uh there's so much more that we could do with our skill set it's just you know, we're limited by our space and the equipment we have, but as we grow, we'll be able to provide more um, to the area, and we're really looking forward to that. Um, yeah, and COVID almost gave us that opportunity to, like, people were more open to work with new things. Like, in a, a system that had ex- a set-up, accepted way that restaurants open and what they provide you on opening day compared to what people were okay with us opening with in the middle of strawberries. the pandemic. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, Listen, I've been inside would, for yeah. 15 days. Yeah, I would love exactly. some fresh would love some strawberries. strawberries. That Please. sounds great. Um, yeah, so things like that. Like, I think people were more open to, yeah, we're opening with two meal kits and we have, you know, we have lasagna that we're making by hand um, and like we have our pulled pork and we're, we're doing sandwiches that you can bring home and finish. Things like that that were, were super small but still had options that people could get where and they were kind of cool with not having a million options but just something yeah so i mean usually they say like for a business to operate like really well you want to have less options because you the the overhead cost to have all these things if people are going to be just as pumped then you know what i mean like and sometimes for indecisive people so there's a lot that i want to get into for sure i guess like because you started there like you guys have this you two are just like okay restaurants are shut down how does how does the idea 
start basically? Because I know you have this, you have the long-term idea of when you're yeah. there. You're like, hey, someday we should totally do this. We're clicking. Like, let's do this someday. What, what triggered it where you're like, straight up, you're like, actually, let's just go, let's just go do this right now. Because you said you straight up started out by selling like strawberries yeah. and like a couple sandwiches. Like, what happened where you're just like, let's just get in here and like, let's just figure this shit out. So, so Chase, Chase actually like, he, we, the two of us had always talked about having like some sort of catering operation, a test kitchen, like a separate arm of that bigger restaurant that would handle the catering, handle doing like some more funky stuff. Yeah. Um, and it would be a small operation just like this. Um, and Chase, Chase was like, why don't we just do that right now? Because like we, when we were talking to our, our mentor from, from SCORE, she was like, you know, we, she kind of pointed us in the right direction as far as like figuring out like what we would have, have to do to approach investors. And we were looking at the money it would take to start a 120 seat restaurant. And it was like, oh yeah, now's not the time to go to investors and ask for that kind of money. Yeah, for a restaurant. totally. For yeah, yeah. You're yeah. both exactly. laughed out of the room. Yeah. Yeah. Oh no, my God. Good of an idea it was a year ago. It's yeah. uh, kind of different at, at this point. And it'll yeah. be a good idea yeah. again. But. Yeah. So, so Chase was like, all right, well, let's, let's run with the, with the little test kitchen, like low, low overhead, uh, working kitchen is already there. And like, uh, and I was selling, uh, I was selling cocktail mixers to my neighbors. Yeah. <laughs> really? The biggest thing yeah. is we started, I was selling cocktail neighbors <laughs> to my cocktail mixers to my neighbors. That's so um, sick. And yeah, my, my wife was dealing with sending it to everybody and I was just mixing stuff at the house and we were like, Oh, we could. <laughs> No one has cocktails in the area. What if we just set up? A, and the original concept that we talked about was cocktail mixers and eventually built off of Maine's current laws where you can sell cocktails to go. Yeah. Eventually getting our liquor license, doing it entirely cocktails to go. And oh, we weren't cool. even thinking about food other than maybe farm boxes. Yeah. And then we finally convinced Tyler yeah. um, to <laughs> that's, come back that's funny. Um, and, and brought him on. And then that's when the food side of stuff started. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I hit like a, I hit like a panic point because like we were looking for chefs and I was trying to, I was trying to convince friends that I worked at restaurants with like from 10 years ago that live out West and like, like, Hey, you want to move to Maine? Back to Maine. <laughs> like, like I might we wanted somebody with that, that, with that West. Yeah. <laughs> we, we wanted somebody that like is like a brother to us, like somebody that we trust. Cause like, you know, the person we were going to bring on is going to be, is going to be in it as much as we are. Exactly. And yeah. it, it, sh- it should be recognized that uh, Tyler's effort to put together a menu in what, like a month, two months. Yeah. About was that. Her- Herculean. And to, to what it's grown into is like, yeah, I need to share my perspective yeah. of all of this. So, okay. <laughs> um, so before COVID my, uh, my now wife, uh, my girlfriend and then fiance and, um, before, um, she was a traveling ultrasound tech. So we would travel. We've been to Yakima, Washington, uh, Las Vegas, New Mexico, Indiana. We, we've been all around the country. We spent like wow. two, two and a half years traveling and we hit up Portland, Maine. And I was like running low on funds. I'm like, okay, I need to find a job. And I ended up talking to Chase at Liquid Riot. He hired me and then I okay. liked the job. So we were supposed to be in Portland for three months, which turned into a year. I got him um, to Yeah, yeah, you I did a good job. I promoted him. We <laughs> kept him around a little longer. How great is it here? How awesome. Yeah. Isn't things cool yeah. here? So, what do you do on the weekend? Then, I'll show you other things yeah. around here. How yeah, cool. then, um, yeah, and then the next contract came up and we left. We, her and I went to Georgia, spent some time there. Didn't have as much fun as we were hoping. We were starting to get worn out of packing the car every few months and moving to a new place and... Yeah. So she took a permanent position in 
in March in New Hampshire, uh, Nashua. So she starts her job. I had a job pretty much lined up. I had an interview. Uh, I was invited to a practical second interview. I was very excited. The day I was supposed to start that interview was the day the world shut down. Yeah, it was a bartending um, job. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah, so, job. Oh, man. Yeah, and I put a lot of funds into getting us moved into this new place. I was out of money again. And so I started like delivering groceries um, for Instacart, which saved me financially. Awesome. Um, and then I feel like you were actually crushing it with Instacart. Yeah, I was, like, yeah, was for a, a little while. Where, man, Instacart was paying more than anything. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> it started to taper off. I started to get, you know, concerned again. I also st- started hitting some uh, bouts of depression, which I'd never really had before. Wow. Um, with the, the social distancing of a very social person. Um, yeah, and then we're all pretty, um, pretty big extroverts, I'd say. And then Chase Same. called me up and said, Same. Oh, we're opening a restaurant. And I was like, You're doing what? <laughs> He's like, Yeah, we're opening a restaurant. We want you to be the chef. Are you, are you in? Like, I live in New Hampshire. Like, we can make it work. Just are you in? I was like, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> Dylan lives in New Hampshire, too. <laughs> Chase is like, yeah, I, I, Dylan hear you, was I hear like, you. Oh, yeah, you yeah. I hear what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, I just yeah, don't yeah. hear it as a problem. Maybe, yeah. maybe, maybe we could figure out a way that you prep stuff, and then we meet halfway, and then and, yeah. and, um, I'm like, no, we can't do that because of, uh, because of uh, health codes and stuff. So it, it ended up being I was crashing on their couches for six months. Yep. Five days a week, and then going back to my wife in New Hampshire a couple oh days a week, God. and then uh, she yeah. got a job up here. I just moved up here a month ago. Like I said, yeah. very patient wives. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's, it was not that's an understatement. Big though. Yeah, that's huge. Yeah, like literally, like this project that I'm doing right now for this place. If my wife was not like a superstar, oh yeah, I, I'm like asking to put like certain things into this building. She's allowing me to renovate a barn oh, yeah. into a recording studio, <laughs> yeah. which is bullshit. Yeah. So it's just like, <laughs> yeah, I've slowly so it's turned. Just like, yeah. You gotta, you gotta love the wife game. Like if, oh, if yeah. they are, they are like, they gotta be a rock star or else this stuff can't happen. Cause <laughs> yeah. you gotta do some crazy shit. Oh yeah. Right. For sure. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. So you guys start it. Then you're like, we, we want to cook. We get him on board. I remember coming in to see you and I was like, I, I, I'm, a, I don't, I'm, I'm extrovert too. So I was chatting and you're like, yeah, I'll, like, Oh, I moved from New Hampshire. And you're like, Oh yeah, I live in New Hampshire. And I was like, Oh no shit. <laughs> I, I remember your no first shit. time in. Portsmouth. And he's like, yeah, Nashville. I was like, what are you fucking doing? <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> I think I told West. you that I was uh, either crazy or insane. Yeah. Uh, one of the two. It might've been both. Definitely Great. a little, yeah, there's a combination. Guy loves sure. his job. Yeah. Into it. <laughs> Wonderful. Yeah. All right, so you guys start up, and like, basically, like you're just like we're gonna start up no matter what. Like, how did it even come into play where you're like selling strawberries and these sandwiches and stuff? Like, did you start up and you're le- like legit started up and you're like, I have no idea what we're gonna do, or you had some idea, or like we what, knew what we wanted to happen? do. Yeah, we didn't necessarily know what it was gonna take to do all that, but we had like a vision of like at least quick service food, and then meal kits was a big part of it, where it was like sure. takeout food. We were hoping that the liquor license would come through a little easier than it ended up doing. We're still a couple months out on actually serving cocktails in-house and having carry-out liquor. Yep. But other than that, honestly, we got very lucky 
on actually meeting a lot of the criteria we needed and being able to do that. Awesome. Um, the, the, town, the town liked us because we actually talked to them about what we were doing, and no one had ever done that before. Yeah. Um, so it's we, crazy. We actually got the permits, which was huge. No one had done that. That's so, just, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's nuts. And, and the town of yeah, the town of Gray was super helpful and awesome with getting us started. That's why I'm here. Yeah. Because I hit, I hit Auburn before here, and then I checked out like one other place, like a little bit west. And when I like, like first of all. I had like a timeline and I was like kind of boxed in of like, this has to happen at a certain time. And I'm asking a million things from this property. And so like great, like the, the code enforcers here are amazing. Yeah. They're just busy. Yeah. So like, oh, yeah. I would call them and I'd talk to them. They're like, okay, come talk to me. But then they like, we're not returning my calls. Cause they're just like, I've seen them. They're out all day long. Oh, yeah. Right. So not anything on them, but they were returning my calls. So I was straight up like, I like drove an hour and a half and I just like went in there and I was like, I need to talk to these people. And like, I need to see if I can do this here. And I remember when he took my meeting, I came in, I printed out like the exact coding for where I live at. I printed out all the home business, like all the coding and everything. I came in with like a binder and I wrote, this is, I wrote a rebuttal for everything. Like you need to be this thing and not do this thing. It's like, this is how I am or I'm not doing this thing. And I came in and he's like, dude, I've done this for like 20 years no one yeah. has ever walked in my door and put this on my lap. Like everyone has come in and they're like, yo, I want to do something. Can yeah. I do that? And it's like, it's like, what do I need to do? Yeah. They were blown away that like, I was like after it. So oh, yeah. I think that they just respect that. Yeah. And that's huge. Sure. And this town's awesome. Where yeah. they're, they're really like, I, looking I was, yeah, I was impressed. I've never had such an easy time. Yeah. With, I think they really understand it. their location where they are here and that they're right on the highway and that there's a lot of people moving here and that yeah. business can be a huge part of helping the town grow. And, right. Like, and that's what I want. Town, and that's so. what you guys want. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I think that's a, that's another big part is like a lot of the stuff we sell is supporting local businesses and like all the farms we're using. Let's are talk from, about it. Yeah. So hyper local. What does that mean? Yeah. So our biggest concept was we were seeing long lines of food, people waiting outside of Hannaford's looking for food in the, in June, July, August. And then all the farmers we've been working with in restaurants in Portland were all telling me how stressed they were because they had all this food they planted and all the restaurants yeah, had just it, closed. It was bizarre. Going to sell it to. Cause all the, like oh, right. the meat was just gone off of the shelves yeah, yeah, for yeah. like three weeks, but you had meet people down the road down here the road that who were like, we have all this product to sell and we're not selling it. Yeah. But Crazy. It, 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 there was just a disconnect. Yeah. It was the so hands we were touching, to be like the meeting and it, the yeah. exchange of it was we were uh, there's a to disconnect. Be that bridge point of of because you know it used to be where everybody knew a they knew a they knew a produce farmer they knew a butcher they knew a baker and they get all that stuff. Nowadays, people are relying on one store that's kind of centralized. That right. So we kind of went and became that centralization point of we know a farmer we know a. But, you know, we know someone who has awesome meats. We know someone who has awesome breads. We can get you uh, dairy products and all this certain stuff from the area um, yep. and keep that money in the area. Keep people who are also stressed about selling things, kind of getting their business and their stuff, keeping on going in these times, too. So that was definitely that. the biggest thing for us. The first products we bought were, were meat products from a mile down the road. I think I'd say 90% of our produce came from two farms between Bumble Root, which is an awesome organic farm in Wyndham, and Mulberry Farms, which is another organic farm right over in, I think they're technically in Raymond. Wow. But some awesome, awesome people doing like really great stuff and who were honestly like really excited to have us reach out to them at a time where restaurants were not reaching out to people. Farmers were getting kind of the opposite message from restaurants. So people were really right. excited about that. 
Everyone they're sitting there with the product and then the restaurants are like, let me just see what's going yeah, on here. Exactly. Let me figure this out here. And you yeah. guys are like straight up like, hey, I want to get your stuff like yeah. real bad. Like farms, farms place their order. Like people don't always realize, but farms place their seed order in November and December. So wow. they plan their farms in the fall and then it comes spring. And if they're planning on planting stuff and people now are not going to be buying that, there's a huge question mark in the air for them where yeah. okay, we were basing this off of trends and stuff like that. but to know what's going to happen. You can't stop it. Yeah, exactly. You can't so. just throw it out. Like yeah. you have to sell that. Yeah. yeah. You know? Yeah. There's no option for you to like be like a retail store with clothes in it. And yeah. you're just like, yeah, exactly. we're going to turn off the it's lights and lock it up stable, for a little bit. So. Yeah. yeah. I, yeah, I saw you're, like you're... Instagram and, and TikTok and like saw videos of farmers with like milk that they're just pouring out into oh, fields yeah. and just like, it, it's, it's been, yeah, it's yeah. been a thing with that. Like crazy. Which we're, we're actually taking uh, subscriptions for our farm yeah, so that's one thing we do, and we're we're setting up more of like a CSA style of it too for the coming year. So like, where most people do a CSA is like a crop share. So you would pay a certain amount of money at the beginning of the year, and then you would get weekly produce from that farm. Cool. Um, based off of kind of doing that, so we're doing a similar thing, um, but using our five to I would say a dozen ish farms that we use for everything from yeah, we're, honey we're growing to, every month to dairy to meat products and produce Love and it. stuff. Grains, we're using main grain products now and all sorts of different stuff. So kind of a blend of that that goes into a farm box. You're getting, going. On, from the health, health aspect, I mean, you're getting all these things from like the soil and the air around yeah. you. There's something to be said about actually having organic produce and yep. yeah. locally raised meat. That's, and, and the amount of nutrition, like people don't always realize, but the, the nutrition level in food itself actually drops a lot through just the amount of time it spends in the fridge, like from Trent, the time yeah. you harvest it to the time you eat it, yeah, the amount of nutrition goes down. So the less time that you have in between there, it's like that much more healthy for you. Yeah. So just keep getting, I mean, you're bang for your buck instead of someone growing organic, organic celery for you in California. And then they ship it to the organic section in Hanford. Right. You actually have organic food being grown for you down the street. Yeah. Um, stuff like that. So. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. I remember the celery that you, you oh, brought yeah. in from we did, we did, The celery was the biggest thing. We did a big oh, post man. about like normal we, celery we, that people see, which is like yellow or white and, and, and a little bit of green versus we had some that was like it's this the beautiful, darkest green. green. I've yeah. never seen celery like yeah, that and we, before. So we mentioned like, the, the, the You the wouldn't food. know. Yeah. And we mentioned the like. If you've always bought it from the store for your whole life, you would never know the difference if you didn't grow it. Yeah. And people who tasted it were like we were selling food to like the kids that we had mentioned. And we were selling, like, we'd send celery over, and it was, like, so much more powerful flavor that they'd have, like, a tiny little bite instead of a whole like, stick. And they're like, oh, wow, What the like, hell is this? I can't even, yeah, what, are you, what are we doing now? It's like, oh, that's actually celery, yeah. But they're, they're troopers, man. Like, they, I think <laughs> oh, yeah, for with, sure. within, like, what, like, a, a few weeks, they were trying stuff that they've oh, never tried before. We've quadrupled the number of kids in Wyndham that are open to bok choy. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> At the very least, we, we, that, that's like my. my Can I have my some bok choy tenders, ma? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like we, know, we had like, a parent reach out to us. Oh and, yeah, like, yeah. My kid was one of the, yeah one of the teachers. Yeah, they were singing a song it? about like for vegetables, and everyone jumps up and says a vegetable. One of the little kids jumps up and goes bok choy because we serve bok choy at lunch, and like they've learned all these different foods and stuff through the through the lunch like, program. What'd you just so, say? Yeah, <laughs> it's like what do you. So, but yeah, so it's definitely been really fun to kind of get that going too and like show people what yeah. food really can be if you're kind of doing it right. I, I used to do cooking demonstrations as a job. I'd go to the high schools and like tech programs and I, I went to a lot of like inner city schools uh, doing this. So I'd, I, I was doing um, some sort of 
stir fry or something. And I, I used a pear and there was a girl in the, um, in the, in the class. It was like, Oh, what is that? I'm like, Oh, it's a pear. She's like, I've never seen a pear before. Like, like what? I didn't want to be like, <laughs> Make her are you kidding me? <laughs> like, this is a basic fruit, blah, blah, blah. You should know what this, but at, at the same time, it made me sad. So I feel like we're actually like giving these kids, like just by, just by giving them food, that's, kind of natural or whatever yeah kind of just giving them some base knowledge on yeah. so explain like this program because the listeners don't know what this is yeah, yeah so um so my wife is is a, like a really talented early childhood education so she's she's trained in like a lot of different styles here in maine in maine yeah so she's done montessori she's done waldorf she's done like a lot of different styles of education now she's at creative explorations which is a fantastic school in Wyndham. They do all the way from infants to they just added a pod program this year with, again, with COVID. And they added what is essentially like it's a, a homeschooling pod for like, I think it's kindergarten-ish to first grade-ish grade. Interesting. Age level. So they have that whole wide range. And we partnered with them to provide a local lunch option. So they mm-hmm. didn't have hot food as part of the program. They are a small school, so they can't offer that. Right. So, parents were prepping their Yeah, so the parents are all sending in lunches every day. Yeah. And they were just extremely excited to have that opportunity for one to not have to prep it every day, but also to have more options and diversity and other yeah. people doing it. And the option to have not just yes, you're trying to get your child to eat something, and if you just send it with them, the odds of them eating it versus if everyone in that class is eating it together yeah, yeah. and experiencing it together and trying something and talking about it and like really getting into like a new food and what that means. We found that that's been a, a huge difference. I really love the, the try bite. Yeah. 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 The, uh, the no, what is the no, the no, no thank, thank you bite. portion. Yeah, yeah. The no thank you bite, which is like a little, we'll give them like a little portion of something when we're trying out a new food or a new method of cooking or something like that, where we'll give them just a little bit of it and they, they, they try a little bite of it. And it's like, Oh, sometimes it's a huge hit. And like that becomes something they love. Or sometimes it's you know just something that they tried at least and got into their diet and a little bit. They're, those, they're big on the curry chicken too. That's yeah, really, yeah. Like, really? Yeah, the, that's the like things the that they've been into have been like amazing. Curry like, chicken, curry, man. curry chicken is huge with um, coconut and like cumin and um, like some like different like turmeric and all these different spices. Yeah. I was like, the first time yeah, I made yeah, it, I didn't I didn't do it you'd, strong. You'd I like be amazed really that light, and then they're like, no, they want more. They're like, yeah. up that curry. Yeah, yeah. Chase does uh, <laughs> daily correspondence with all the teachers. Yeah, and they we get so we get feedback daily <laughs> yeah, yeah. on like, okay, the kids didn't really like this, and we think it's because of the way that it was cut, not yeah. because of the food. Yeah, or like some mac and cheese. Like wow. obviously, kids like mac and cheese, so we, and we make mac and cheese here as we one of our meal kids. Yeah. So we're like, oh, that's a no brainer. We make ours with a farfalle, which is like a bow tie pasta. Yeah. And we found the kids were not eating it. And we're like, why aren't the kids eating mac and cheese? So we switched the pasta shape. And the whole thing pennies was easier like, to pick up. Pennies easier to pick up. <laughs> and fingers. a lot of like certain age groups, if they don't think that they can fit the whole thing in their mouth, they're not even going to try it. Right. So if wow. it isn't a small enough piece that they think they can do it, then they're not going to eat it. So like finding those small changes. This is like research. Yeah. This is like yeah, valuable like, research I've for learned, people. As someone who has a 35 week pregnant spouse, I've learned a lot about feeding babies <laughs> um, over the past six months. So yeah, it's definitely been um, a fun learning you're, curve. You're going to be visiting someone yeah, and like your, your kid's going to be with someone else and they'll be like, I, he's, he's not eating. He's not eating. Like, yeah. Switch that shit to penne. Yeah, right? like, what are you talking about? Like, <laughs> that. What are you, 
<laughs> God, what are you doing yeah, over there? Like, like, I wouldn't God. eat that mushy broccoli either. Like, what are you doing? So, yeah, it's like serving kids. More curry, like more. Yeah. Let's go. Um, yeah, so it's, that's been, I think, the most rewarding program that we've done. It's something we really hope to expand on when it's less COVID-y time. Obviously, people aren't as open to having people come into the school and interact, yep. but we're all, we're already because my wife works there, we're already kind of in the, in the community. Right. Um, so that's been something, but it's definitely something we're hoping to expand into the area and kind of get more local food to local kids and, and get that going. So that's so interesting. And also, it, I mean, it's it, 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 like has a special place in my heart. Cause it's like kind of how we start our morning every yeah. day. Yeah. Like, <laughs> every day. It's like, yeah. yeah. It's like, oh, oh, what getting we got that for kids prep? food today? Like, yeah. Yep. Yeah. So we, we send it, we open at 11 and we get the kids food to them at 11 15. So we're here prepping. Wow. Um, we, we, fill a car we drive it down the road it's about 12 minutes to get there um so we drive down the road and, and deliver it while the other person's here opening up shop and, and getting all that going so it's like our first thing we do in the day is feed 50 hungry kids and teachers um so yeah it's kind of a rewarding start to getting everything going you feel definitely like accomplish something and right now we're doing the rest of it. yeah and if we don't serve anybody the rest of the day oh we already served 30 yeah, kids this morning. Served, like, yeah exactly so. successful day. <laughs> and at the beginning that was the situation so <laughs> it was definitely our, our backbone yeah, for the first the, few months. That's one of the reasons that we're here right now. Oh, absolutely. Without yeah. having that program, we it not to been, say we wouldn't still be here. No, but, but we, we would. I don't think we'd be as big as we, we wouldn't are have right any now. of this yeah. liquor on our shelves. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of inventory. Strawberries. It's a lot of inventory. Yeah, and that's that's one thing that we're we're really excited about. I mean, we're huge like craft cocktail nerds. I think you know the dream for for me and Chase that we were talking about. You know. That's six months in into first working together was like, like how do we how do we get on the world's fifty top fifty best bars? Cool. Like, uh, how, how do we how do we get a James Beard award for like our bar program? Like these are all just dreams. Like it's they're they're high flute and like you should have them. But yeah, we're we're coming coming from like I was at a like cocktail bar in Boston that was like top thirty in Boston. Cool assistant bar director to a gentleman who at the time got like best bartender in Boston for 2018. Wow. And stuff like that. And then when I came to liquid riot, the whole idea was it was a a brewery distillery that no one knew made liquor. So they kind of wanted to up their cocktail scene in that whole regard. Yeah. So I was brought in to overhaul their cocktail side of stuff. Wow. And they're, they're hyped. Like people love that. Yeah. It's definitely the cocktail is exactly the cocktails have definitely grown and people have gotten into it. So that was kind of my job. And in that course, I found people like Dylan, who's like talented in that regard, brought him on. Actually, I moved here two, two and a half years ago from the Berkshires, uh, which is like Western Massachusetts. It's a big like tourist destination for folks coming up from New York City. It's like known as like the the cultural capital of America. Sure. Uh, So there's a lot of theater and art there. The biggest contemporary art museum in North America is there. So it was it was like a really small uh, since it's such a small town. There's not a lot of people live there. Uh, it's a really small, tight knit restaurant community, but it was high quality. My wife and I had gone on vacation up here in Portland, and I was really just like taken with the the beer scene, the food scene, and even the cocktails. Like like we we ate at Liquid Riot. I was like, because like I'm I'm a huge like drinks nerd, and you know I was like, oh, Liquid Riot makes their own spirits. Like we should we should go check that out. It's yeah, right, it's right on the water. And we sat at we sat at the bar, and it's funny. And now that I think about it, I know the bar seats that we were sitting at. But uh, Chase bartended on us, and at the time, like I wouldn't have I wouldn't have too talked funny. to him until like two years later. But uh, he was making cocktails, and I like 
I like nudged my wife. I was like, he's good. And she was like, stop it. You're being a nerd. And it's just like a small world. I, you know, I came up here. I worked at a couple places that I wasn't vibing at. And Chase ends up hiring me. It's was, it was just very, very weird. I never was like, I'm going to work at Liquid Riot. But That's it, so weird. It just kind of, it just kind of happened that way. We kind of built a community of, honestly, headed into that summer, we had what I thought was one of the best bar programs in the state. We had a lot of like really passionate bartenders between we hadn't hired anyone who wasn't a bar manager at another bar in probably a year and sure. anyone else who was bartending had started yeah. as either a server or a busser or a barback and had been trained from our program yeah i may have been um, one of the, the only one because tyler I, it, tyler was, I a was cook uh, that we trained yeah. to, to bartend he had a lot of <laughs> culinary experience and we got him like a lot of experience in classic coffee. he's a very diligent hard worker on like specifics so he yeah. was able to quickly pick up that stuff um and hand him a list, he'll memorize it. So he kind of picked that up, and and that all developed in a pretty fun little program. It was really cool because he was he was coming at it from like this this culinary background where it was yeah. like he, he flavors had, and tastes. Where him? What's that? Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's, yeah. These it's five things. Like, there, there was why like, aren't we making our own? Yeah, <laughs> we like, have all those in house. Yeah, there was like a lot of key stuff that it was like, oh, we could do that, and like he he had like a crazy palate, and yeah, it just like you came on and you started making your own like liqueurs and stuff, and. You like broke away from the syrups and uh, things like that, and we were we were pushing like the the bartender's choice really hard. So it was like we would we sort of just like talk to some we would, a guest would sit down, we'd talk to them for like a minute and just sort of get a read on what what, what they're their what they're into profiles were, yeah, and build a drink around that. And Love that. So the whole program became just training enough on all everything about making cocktails so that. Everyone that was on the bar team could walk up to you and make you a cocktail. Awesome. Built for you. So we interviewed, we interviewed Venus Fizz House. Oh, cool. I did their reno. Did, oh, what? I, on the, I, the I place helped, downtown? Yeah, I helped them with their remodel. Um, really? Yeah, I was like a consultant on their reno plan. So cool. Yeah. Small world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I but, had interviewed a bartender that was there. When they were trying to do it, and they didn't have much experience. Yeah, like that's what I was going to say. Those two were teachers. They're teachers. Yeah, they're very awesome. They became yeah, yeah, crazy yeah. cocktail people, yeah, yeah, yeah. teachers, and they always talk about like when you're talking about like Tyler coming in as a chef first. They always talk about how like when they're hiring people, they like they don't not hire people who are bartenders or cocktail makers, but they specifically do look for people that are not. Yeah. So that that way they have like this total openness to it where oh, they're yeah. not, they're not like, no, you have to do this thing. Like Tyler coming into it. He's just like, could do this other thing. Cause you can make that thing, you yeah, know? Well, yeah, I, th- I yeah. think there's a, I think there's a, there's like a, there's a little bit of a problem in, in like the bartending world as far as like you, ha- you were a, sh- a hot shot at a restaurant that you used to work at. Yeah. And so you come into a place like being like, Oh, I'm the best bartender around. Like, let me come in here. And shake things up, not to like make a pun. Uh, <laughs> you wanted to make yeah, that. I, I kind of, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> oh god, that was bad. Uh, so you know, you come into a place thinking like, oh, like I do everything right, you do everything wrong. It's like no, the best bartenders they come in and they they work a bar for six months to a year and figure out the systems. Yeah, work it, you know how it's supposed to be and how the owners meant it to be, and then you like change things incrementally that need to be changed that you just improve, you improve on things. And like, I, I certainly have been guilty of that in the past of like coming into a place being like, Oh, I'm a hot shot. Like I know what I'm doing, but yeah. like, you know, it's a, yeah, it's a, it's a weird world. I mean, it's 
been a while since we bartended. <laughs> For you. Yeah. That's well, crazy. I, I made my yeah, neighbor's cocktails the other day. Yeah, I can't wait like, for you guys to be able to do to-go cocktails. Because yeah, even that stuff, like I brought that home a couple yeah. times and that's so good. Yeah. So when I can straight up just like, because that's what I did, like like the to-go portion of it. I straight up grabbed that and I was like, oh, yeah. I got out of work. I'm going to go take that and make a cocktail right now. It would be even better if I could drive up and be like, I'm going to buy this cocktail and go drink that yeah, cocktail exactly, like, right yeah. now so, on my way so home. By, by March, we should have, we just have to build a bathroom pretty much where you're sitting. By March, we should have 30 people sitting outside eating cocktails. So no way. We want this to be like a, a we'll big, have a nice like, patio. Yeah. yeah, so there should be a big patio cool. space outside with 20 to 30 seats. One of us at the helm at a, at a cocktail station over there making uh, the cocktails that are in mixers right now. Hell yeah. And, and then lots of bartenders' choices kind of yeah. specialize in cocktails. For I'd like to so. see food-wise, like, we're, we're doing, like, we're, we started, like, integrating, like, a different takeout special every night. Yeah. yeah. But we want to do a different, like, um, in-house special every night. Yeah. Like, in-house. Right, we have, yeah. we have so that's three like, burgers yeah. tonight. It's burger and beer night. Um, come get some local beer. Come get, like, these awesome burgers that we're making. And uh, maybe we'll do live music. We have some friends. Yeah, exactly. And we've and been stuff, talking so. about we have so much space here. And Hell, yeah. Honestly, the, one, of the, one of the biggest things that was helpful for us is... So much we, space we, out this way? Yeah. We went we rent from Howl's, and they're the most accommodating and awesome oh, people cool. we could have they've ever hoped golden. for. They've, they've been, been fantastic. Um, yeah, they've been a lifesaver through this. Love that. So yeah, we every also time we come up with a new idea. Yeah, like, they want us... Their biggest thing was they wanted something that was yet yeah, separate, but it's a part of this. They they look at this as a complex, and they want this to be. We want to keep food. people hanging out here. Yeah, exactly. They want right? this to be the food Go spot shoot. of being over there. Yeah, yeah, and, and have, then hang out, and then get back in yeah, here. They, they have hundreds of hundreds of members, hundreds of members over there. So like having a food spot where their members could come to. They, they do teach a lot of classes, training, yeah. yeah, like training classes during the day. Sure. Um, so we offer like lunches to the training classes and stuff like that as well. So listeners out there that aren't familiar with where we're at, Craft is built into just a tiny piece of this building. And this building, the only other thing in this parking lot is a shooting range that's yeah. pretty bougie. It's the right? second largest gun range in Maine. It's a um, really, it's and a they really, have it's a really some of the most range. talented. Yeah. Tatiana, they have a they have a female shooter over there, Tatiana, who's like one of the top female shooters in the country. Holy um, shit! Who tre- teaches training classes, and they have some very very talented people over there. A lot of law enforcement community. Yeah, okay. they get all their stuff. So that was kind of what we, at least when we saw the space, we're like, all right, well, at least there's the backbone of that, and they're they're super open to having us. Um, like they're in here every single day getting lunch and oh and great like that's they're, awesome they're the biggest advocates for us in like the community we we couldn't have asked for more i love that and then it's like i've like i didn't even tell you guys so i'll pitch this to you already right on the air how's that yeah. <laughs> but like i right away when i started seeing some of the stuff that you're making i'm gonna have like artist living quarters like people will be living on site with me cool. while they work on their album so they might like i've already had I'm really excited. I already had people be like, I'm going to fly in from Seattle. I'm going to fly in from wherever. Like people are excited to come stay here. Yeah. yeah. And that was the point of it because I, I saw at uh, like these conventions in LA and New York, like these, these amazing producers at these conventions would talk about back in the day, they would rent these farms in France and stuff and like go out there and like get away and disconnect. And so people will be staying on site. And I was like, the craft stuff is so perfect for that. Like if I had some of the, the cocktails ready to go for yeah, them yeah, or yeah. like the meal kits, Definitely. because I'm going to have a very tiny little kitchen for them, like yeah. enough that they can do damage, but not like going nuts. Yeah. All you and need it's is the perfect stuff to have around so they can make some wicked good food, but not like 
totally go nuts in this kitchen yeah. if it's small. Yeah, you know? and we have people like we've had a lot of people who are like, "Oh, my my kids live in the area. They don't know how to cook. Like, can you help them get food into their cell?" <laughs> yeah, like, so stuff good like food. that where it's literally like like they need nutrients. They don't know how to cook. They have a burner and they have a pot. Like, yeah, what yeah. can you do for them? It's like, oh. Yeah. No problem. We yeah. can take some like, pork well, masala bag yeah. and throw yeah, it yeah, in yeah, there. Or yeah. honestly, like you let us know <laughs> two hours ahead of time. Like we're our whole goal was to be we wanted to be like we wanted to be Gray's Kitchen. So like if we're your neighborhood kitchen, and if there's something that you really need, we're very flexible That's and we a work really with good people. name for a restaurant. Um, Gray's so, like, Kitchen. <laughs> yeah. So as far as like if people do call us, they're like confused about the meal kits and they think it's hot as long as they've given us enough notice we will heat it up we will cook it for them yeah, yeah. oh yeah. wow no no upcharging no yeah, yeah, no exactly. it's never like, the first answer yeah well, our, our biggest thing is trying to say yes and like accommodate to the people who are being awesome enough to reach out I to love us that. and to support us so like, i think that's such a good good that's such a good business yeah. principle yeah. Yeah. so we're just kind of trying to do it's, it's literally thing. it's literally just the three of us here and like this is our first restaurant yeah. we're open seven days a week there's three of us um so yep. we we live here basically and you know it means a lot to us uh if you know we love to hear good feedback we love it um it it makes you know good inter- interactions with people like make make the day great uh but like if there's an issue like tell us about it a lot yeah. i feel like a lot of folks will just like not say anything and just never show up again yeah, yeah we've, um, we've made some of our best changes from constructive feedback yeah, exactly. even like as small as like i remember our first kind of bit of constructive criticism was on our roasted chicken sandwich, which yeah. it takes me two or three days to make. I mean, it's a chicken sandwich with bacon and chicken. Like, why does that take two or three days to make? But somebody was like, Oh, I didn't like the texture of the chicken. And ne- the next time I worked with it, I was thinking about that. And I found these like little bits of cartilage that were actually attached to the chicken breast. And I never thought to check the chicken breast because sure. it's, it's white meat. It's tender. It's, yeah, it's we roast the things. chicken's whole. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah, we we pull them um, a few times a week. We do um, we do a lot of the processing here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, having that feedback has definitely been negative. Honestly, like as everyone always says, like you learn more from your failures than your successes. Um, it's you, not easy to take it. Yeah, but but, but, but it I makes think you better. That's the biggest thing about like people have been open with giving us feedback because we were so open about like this is this is an experiment. Like no one's open to business Test like kitchen. this. We didn't follow a model. We had no idea what was going <laughs> to yeah. happen. We just want to know what you folks want so that we can provide it in a better way. Yeah. Um, and kind of explain that to people with a smile is kind of what we've been trying to do. If, for you, if you ever have an issue, we will make it right. How have people been taking this concept that you have? Because I think like for me, and I said this earlier, this concept moving forward, like people say that COVID moved people to what will happen about six or seven years. Boom. Yeah, already yeah. immediately yeah, in one yeah, year yeah. of like, what, what, way will we conduct ourselves in certain ways. Yeah. And I personally, obviously people are still going to want to go out and I know that you're going to yeah, build out some absolutely. stuff too, but people are going to want to have certain like in-person experiences. But this is something that I've always wanted to have around that people just weren't having around because they already had their setup with a restaurant in house yeah. of what they're doing. They did take out, but it's just like, it's always been like takeout is just kind of like we, Oh, you don't want to eat here? Here's the food. But yeah, like you're take you're starting takeout first for a exactly, long time. Yeah. And then building out some other experiences down the line and stuff like that. What are people saying with the concept as you've creeped in with saying like people people call and you probably hear their conversation over and over and over again? You've got like a way to explain it. What are people saying to you guys about this concept? I mean, the biggest thing for us is like, and this was something even when we were talking about opening, like 
If we had opened a business called Craft Curbside a year and a half ago, no one would have known what we were doing because they wouldn't have known what curbside was. Right. Now right. we've gotten to a point where everyone, curbside, oh, it's curbside pickup. Curbside, it's curbside. curbside food, it's, it's stuff like that. So even in that regard, it's, it's come so far where people understand it. I think that there were, there have been other places and people who are doing on this kind of meal kit stuff that's prepared. HelloFresh was huge, like people being familiar with the concept of something like that that's, right. that's coming to you on a regular basis. And people were familiar with locally sourced. So I think having people have that kind of decade of background in craft food and then just necessi- necessitating having the education that, piece for the community exactly. has not been that bad. Yeah. That, when you're it, telling honestly, people that it, it hasn't been, it hasn't been too tough. People are just really excited to not have to cook for themselves. Oh, yeah. <laughs> They're just Hell really, yeah. really excited to be able to drive oh, wait, three minutes down a, the road and get something hot and fresh. You, and, you have a uh, restaurant yeah. style. I love it. Not, like Stouffer's lasagna yeah. that's yeah, yeah, like yeah. ready to go yeah. for my oven, but it's like exactly. you're, you're, you have like fresh noodles and like fresh mozzarella and yeah. like your house made sauce on. Oh, okay, yeah, sign, sign I'm me in. I'm in. We followed the, the other big thing is like we've kind of not to say we've passed the savings on, but we've tried to continue the fact that we don't have drastic overhead covering all of our food products into like the pricing of the meal kit. So yeah, the ability to get a a meal at home for two people for $25 with three courses is, is something that phenomenal. Yeah. yeah. So doing we're extraordinarily good. And so it's all organic and like yeah. good source food. It's yeah. not junk that exactly. you're getting from some wholesale distributor. Yeah. It that's all like starts as raw ingredients in. coming from the area. So big. Yeah. Yeah. Like our lobster roll. That was, that was a huge hit over the summer when we first yeah. opened. It's still in yeah. the top it, sellers. It's still our top seller. Year. I think. Yeah. yeah. Like you're doing $10 yeah. lobster rolls as a fun way. Nuts. Of but, I mean, yeah. It was kind of a reflection on just the lobster lobster scene in Maine. Like that's Um, crazy, but yeah, yeah. prices were just low with COVID, so we kind of did it. Yeah, we were. You're used to a twenty-five dollar lobster roll, and you sit there and you enjoy it, but you're also kind of pissed. Oh yeah, you know, you're like, I'm happy that I'm I have this, but I'm also sad. Yeah, we we did it so people could come and get one hot and one cold. That was the idea. It was like pay twenty dollars and you get two lobster rolls. Yeah, yeah, I would say that like our lobster roll was worth. Twenty, twenty-two, twenty-three dollars. Yeah. Uh, after we had some trial and error. Yeah, and, and one of the reasons we could do it at such a low price was like, one, the lobster prices were really low, but also we were we were getting the whole lobster and processing it here. Like we right. were we were the ones taking the lobster meat out of the shell. Um, and then we take that and turn it into stock, and then that's what became our lobster bisque, and nice. we do a, uh, a dairy-free lobster yeah. bisque with that. We, we try to, oh, we so try cool. to do the, the end-to-tail method and use every part of the animal that we our, can. Our food and, waste is very, very minimal. And what is yeah. waste goes into my compost pile, and we're composting it for all the food that I grow in my backyard for here. So, that's so cool. Um, yeah, it's definitely all getting used. What does David say? It's not waste if it goes yeah, in the compost. Yeah, yeah, David, all, yeah, it's not waste <laughs> if it goes in the compost. So. Pretty much true. <laughs> yeah. It's got a purpose, right? Yeah, exactly. Wow. So we're going to get, we're pretty close here where I'm going to ask you like the five questions they ask people at the end. But I do want to ask a little bit extra just because we don't always cover like food and beverage and craft and things like that because we're all over. And especially based off of your story, what would you like, doesn't even have to be based off of like COVID times, but like, what would you tell someone if they wanted to start up like anything in this industry like what what's some advice now with this is your first restaurant under the belt what's some things that you'd tell someone that's thinking about doing anything like this at all is some advice that you learned in that first startup months doing this i'd say take take your 
like have a, have an end goal, but take one concept, master that one concept, and then just very patiently and methodically just add to it and add to it. Like we started, like I mentioned at the beginning, we started with a a full page, but it was three items. We now have a two page menu. Yeah, that is the, some of the items are are not are mildly complicated, but we could not have started day one with a two page menu. I would have pulled what's left of my hair out. Yeah. <laughs> hey man, I'm bald. Yeah. So I don't wanna... <laughs> yeah. You have hair. You're the minority. I know. This. Yeah. It's okay. <laughs> um, yeah. I would say, yeah, for me, honestly, the biggest thing, especially food industry wise with people who are looking to open it yeah. is understanding that you're not just opening. And this comes from my perspective specifically, but you're not just opening a restaurant, you're opening a business. Yes. Um, and numbers are really important. I, I do the number it, side of things, so that's kind of my view of it. I say it to music uh, people all the time. But the most important thing is you're opening a business. Um, so no, not just being a, making sure, and yes, if you're very talented at food, making sure that you have people in your team that are able to do other stuff. Yep. So we have people who are extremely talented in beverage and extremely talented in food and someone who can do numbers and hopefully put that together. Yes. Um, so like aligning and having a team of well-rounded people, which is kind of what we hopefully put together Yeah. and having a structure where, yes, if you don't have this skill set, that's totally fine, but you're going to need someone who has that skill set. Right. And being, I'd say understanding yourself and having a good enough register on your skill set to know that there are people who fill in your gaps and that are going to make you stronger. Like having these two people makes me stronger as a restaurant. Worker. The three of us are very lucky. Um, so yeah, having, having <laughs> right. people who round you up is definitely really important. Yeah. I think that that is a common mistake that can be really easily taken without listening to all the context. Like say someone listened to this one episode, right? If they only listened through and they heard like, yeah, like, I just started it up because I found the right spot and I started it. And the first day I sold strawberries and they might be like, Oh, like I can start a business. Like what? Like, and that's, yeah. I want them to feel that. Oh, so yeah. like, awesome. Yeah, great. Yeah. Encourage them. Cause that's a big feat for you guys. You're like, we're going to sell whatever the hell we need to do to like make this happen with what we've got in the meantime. It's all awesome. But if they only listen to that, they didn't hear that point. It's like, I say this to musicians and, and artists all the time. And that's part of the reason why this podcast exists is because we're waking up from work. Doesn't mean we're not working hard. We're doing what we want to do full time. And to do things full time and not the hobby, you have to make money. You have to keep the lights on and you have to be really smart and figure out whatever you can use to make that happen. But it's like you need both. You need that like that like being okay with the risk and and taking that jump piece of you that it made you allow to to pull that trigger that so many people won't pull that. But to keep out here and to keep doing your thing, you had to keep adapting and, and having that team and those different strengths to keep adapting to make that a living thing. You need both. In, in general, I think, you know, work and being an entrepreneur and um, trying to start your own business, like whether it's a restaurant or not, I think yeah. what's really huge is like, you know, you can get bogged down in like, every day like monotony but really every day is different every day is a chance to improve right. take pride in what you do and come in every day looking to be better than you were the day before you're not always going to be able to do that but like yeah that's a huge part of it and and you know this isn't like the mecca of all food and beverage in the world but like i come in here thinking like i, I should be proud of what we've accomplished and what we're of course. going to accomplish yeah. and, 
and and then as far as like the restaurant thing if you have partners like uh i guess being patient with one another i like it opening a restaurant's really hard i i think the biggest part of our success is sort of like an unrelenting loyalty to one another like we may, we may get mad at each other or frustrated with one another but at the end of the day we work it out and we figure out like what's next yeah. Where, how do we how do we improve exactly like, like when we set into this our idea was yeah we're going to get through the small things now but in 20 years we want to own a restaurant together of course so there's things that are going to come up in the meantime but big picture is is kind of the big yeah. thing in that regard so very love that yeah. all right so now i'm going to ask you my five questions that i ask at the end I don't have like a special name for it. Everyone has like a <laughs> yeah, final yeah. five, yeah. fast five. Or I just straight up and like, these are the five questions I ask everyone at the end, but I don't know. Sorry, guys. Sorry out there. Fast five. This is, this <laughs> a, <laughs> this is the first episode I'm going to have like a special voiceover in or something. But uh, you don't have to think like, cra- like these don't have to be crazy long answers. They can be kind of pointed like that. Yeah. But uh, so the first one would be, just what is it that makes it so that this is the thing that you have to do every day versus any other thing that you could wake up on the planet and just do? Why is this the thing that you have to do for a living or just in general? Like why, like say you didn't even have to make income from this. Why, why is this the thing? It's funny you mentioned the income thing because we didn't start making yeah, it. Yeah, we got paid last week. Last week was our first time. Oh, no. Yeah, it was so, not about the money. <laughs> definitely not. Uh, I, I would say that I, I've worked a, in quite a few kitchens where giving a quality product at an affordable price was was not the the general consensus in the kitchen. It was go to work and do my job and go home. Yep. Um, and that's always annoyed me. Uh, and now that I run my own kitchen and it, I, I really try to bring that in every day and that gives me a lot of satisfaction. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. That's huge. You got to give a shit about what you do. Yeah. You know, absolutely. that's crazy. Yeah. I think for me, the biggest thing is just like, I've been around food my whole life. Um, like my mom grew up on a farm. Like I'm a child of a farmer who went to a daycare that was on a farm and then uh, have grown up around that stuff so yeah. i think the biggest push for me is just being attached to connecting food with people and the connection that i have so i think no matter what i would be involved in in food and getting more high quality food that's coming from people in the area together i think this just kind of happened to be how oh, it happened. worked in restaurants since i was 16 um, i kind of fell into it because my brother was working in restaurants as well and it just happened to click at a certain point, but I think it's always been about getting high quality food that I care about to people in the area. So yeah, um, the people around us deserve better food. It's kind of always been my opinion. I, because of my experience, I understand what food can be. And I kind of hope that people who necessarily can't focus 40 hours a week on what their food intake should be can also have people like me in their lives who can help them understand that. Love that. Just the way I go to a doctor and, people go to a mechanic like you can come to us and we can tell you what you should be putting in your body yeah um things like that so yeah. cool uh i guess uh why we're why i'm here is uh it's what i'm passionate about um i love food service i love interacting with guests uh, as a kid i used to i used to go out to eat a lot with my, with my dad we'd, we'd go out to restaurants a lot um Mostly because my dad can't cook. He's he's one of those folks. That, <laughs> he's a, he's a terrible cook. Sorry, Dad. 
Uh, <laughs> I will say he can cook a mean spaghetti and sausage, and uh, he's got a chicken dish that's pretty good. But uh, yeah, go tos. So we, we we went to restaurants a lot, and I remember that my favorite waiters were the were the zany weird guys that had, that were funny and had good jokes, and but were also knowledgeable, could tell me about what we're eating, and like I I love like getting I love the challenge of like talking to folks and um, sort of bridging the gap between the kitchen and the guest and finding like what on the menu is perfect for them. Um, yeah. For me, I COVID has been really tough uh, as far as like not being behind a bar. I really miss being uh, behind a bar. And uh, that's what I was really leaning into before all this happened. Um, I, I think this is, part of a, a larger plan to have that, that awesome bar again someday. Yeah. Um, you know, once people feel comfortable going out again and, you know, hopefully, um, you know, things with COVID get better and, you know, people feel, feel like they can go and sit at a bar together. Yeah. Um, I miss that feeling of a, of a lively bar, a lot of chatter back and forth. I miss playing live shows for the same reason. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. There's something different. Like I, I, t- I've said it on the podcast before. But I've played like four or five live stream shows. Some some were festivals where like there's a ton of people on it, and you feel it. Just there's something weird. Like honestly, the biggest thing that hit me with it is like the between the songs. So it's like probably it's probably what you feel from the bar where like you're not talking to all those people at the same time. There's this weird shit that that exists from just like being in a room of people that are all like they're for the most part happy, and there's just like. Yeah, there's just an energy there, everyone's there. Like everyone's out to like be out and like have something happen that night. And between the songs is where I felt it, where it was just quiet. And I, I'd be, like interact with the comments and like, it would give me like a little bit to like talk with them and stuff, but, but you're just sitting there it's just quiet. Yeah. And it's just weird. There's yeah, just, yeah. it can't be replaced the same way. Well, it's not the same thing. It's like the difference between like, so the two big bar positions are you're either the point man who's dealing with all the guests or you're the service bartender. Yeah. So it's kind of the difference between being like a service bartender who's just making drinks and putting them out to people who they never talk to. Yeah. Yeah. The feeling right now where you're just like standing at a printer that tells you what you're making and you send it to a room full of people versus being the person who stands there and makes drinks and actually gets to hand it to somebody straight up. They get to like tell, Oh, this is great. Like, how did you like this? And like interact from that point. So I think that's definitely, yeah something that everybody is excited to get back to for sure. Totally. You know, you, when you're, when you're doing that, you get, to, you end up, you know, there are people, you know, it's rare, but you, you still, you make lifelong friends. Like there, there are still people that started off with guests for me and I still know them and talk to them today. And, uh, that, that interaction is super important. And I can't wait to get back to it. Um, yeah. Oh, the, your customer service has been invaluable here, and I think you're building those relationships, even though you don't have a shaker or stir. Yeah, I think <laughs> it's definitely a different kind of interaction, but we're definitely getting those kind of regulars in, in regulars in a different way from you know people coming in for their nightly tipple to like, oh, we're coming in because we're grabbing your your dinner special tonight. Yeah, I used to yeah. grab. I mean, it's you three. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, exactly. It's yeah, the two of them. Yeah, you come in, you're gonna get one of us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I seem to be on Tyler hours. Okay. I, I run into you sometimes, but I've yeah, had the most. You must have been happens. a weekday, or Tyler was a weekday for a that's, long time. We were true. doing the weekends because he was down in, in uh, New Hampshire. So, that yeah. that would be why. Yeah, yeah, I'm a week. I'm a weekday type of yeah, guy. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. I'll, I'll have to make a weekend <laughs> trip. 
All right. It's <laughs> yeah, funny. He's, barbecue, he's gonna come in on Sunday, and I'm weekend. gonna be yeah, on he's Sunday. Here on the weekend now. Yeah. <laughs> well, pretty, I mean, pretty soon it's gonna be it's gonna be myself and and Tyler and yeah. uh, and and Chase's brother Cole because uh, your your wife's about to have a baby. Yeah, yeah exactly. We're gonna, we're, we're gonna recruit the baby too. Honestly, that's <laughs> probably gonna be better. You know, he'll eat some of that food. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, we're excited to get that going. But yeah, I'll be off for a month or so. Wow. Enjoying, but yeah, she'll be going to the school that we provide lunch to. So we'll be making her lunch anyway. So it'll be perfect. That's yeah, awesome. Full circle. That's so funny. So, yeah. Another reason to keep quality <laughs> Ex- high. Exactly. Yeah. Another. Yeah. Don't be feeding the kids that my daughter eats there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then you can use it when people complain too. They'll be like, they're like, why are you serving this? Like, my daughter's here, yeah, all right? Exactly. She's eating this too. About? She's eating the same exact food. I don't know what you're talking about. No, they're honestly, you're eating from my table. Yeah, we've honestly we've only had positive feedback from the parents. They've been so thankful. So it's it's been the coolest thing. And then we're starting a program where we're gonna start feeding them dinner too. So we're gonna show oh. up one day a week to start and do dinners that they can you pick up your kid and you pick up dinner and go home with both. Oh, that's so cool. Uh-huh. So yeah. something like that is, is our next step that we're starting. That's the next so cool. Weeks, People, so. parents are going to love that. Yeah. yeah. And that's kind of starting into our, we're going to have a couple mobile units this summer. So that'll be our first. Whoa. Some mobile units, hopefully one in Cumberland and one in Cumberland and one in Wyndham. So. What type of mobile unit? Uh, like, a. originally we were talking about lobster roll truck. So like a lobster roll thing based off our lobster roll. Oh, yeah. And then also because my brother is a more talented experienced cook having him come on and serve more of our dishes but yeah we're definitely looking at expanding to portland we have a lot of friends in portland from working there for oh, a while sick. um i'd love to have something parked on the eastern prom yeah <laughs> yeah stuff like that and then yeah wyndham is kind of an untapped market so damn okay like those. but yeah and then who knows my brother wants to put a boat on some water so we might even have a, a mobile <laughs> boat truck did you like go up to dock people? Side. Yeah, right on Sebago. So we're talking about all these different craft dock sides. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's a there's a lot of different areas we can go yeah, and so we're talking that's about. That's kind of where we're at. Right where now, we end up, we have no next. idea. But. Wow. Okay. Well, I'll have to keep an eye out. <laughs> I'll just be like, I'll be walking downtown, like, hey, what's up? You'll be on a boat. What's up, guys? Yeah. Exactly, yeah. All yeah. right. Great. Yeah, he's a big fisherman. He's like, we should have a boat. I'm like, yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, fresh. We got fresh fish. <laughs> Perfect. Straight up catch the fish, dress it. And- exactly, <laughs> okay. yeah. All right, so next question would be, what along the way is the worst thing that you did? Like, what's the biggest mistake that you made? Something where, like, you could give the lesson to someone, like, they automatically popped into their head and they, like, oh. actually learned that lesson without having to do it. You're like, don't do this thing. It sucked. Yeah. I'll go first. Because <laughs> um, a lot of people say, oh, live my life, no regrets. Bullshit. You've got regrets. You just don't want to talk about them. Um, I, I had this awesome experience in college. I'm a JWU grad, Johnson Wales in Providence. And part of our program was we did an externship at a restaurant. Well, I had to pick the hardest place to get to that I could because I wanted to challenge myself. Okay. Um, so I went to New Zealand and okay. I worked, I didn't actually understand the, the caliber of the place that I was working at. It was one of the top rated restaurants in the country over there. And it was in a restaurant, like um, rotating dining room on the top floor of the tallest building in the Southern hemisphere. I was way over my head. Oh my God. I, I had I, I, my, my first job there was like taking barnacles off of mussels that were pulled out of the ocean that morning. But I, came back to finish my degree 
and finish another degree, which didn't actually, I think, I think it actually, I think it actually was like kind of like a deep mud pit where I kept moving forward, but I had to carry all of this weight on, on like on my boots and stuff. And it just like, it bogged me down for a really long time. And I had a job offer there. Like they, they offered to sponsor my visa and I loved it there. And still like I, it, this wouldn't have been possible because I'd probably still live there. But that's, that's one area where I was like, now I should have followed my, followed my instincts there. I had an education and I, I came back for a piece of paper and yeah. Got it. I mean, I think that that I've talked about college on this a lot. Yeah. And I'm always like very, very neutral where I say, if you get to go where you want to be at and college is the way that you do it, do it. Do it. If you don't need it to go do what you want to do and there's a better way to not do it, don't do it. So I never, I never shit on it on either side too hard, but like totally, I totally get it. Oh yeah. I I get it. I think I could have, I think I could have learned some things that I, I would not, that I did not learn by, by, by it extending my being there my stay being with those people that are crazy yeah Yeah. i I certainly wouldn't be here if it wasn't for college because i actually to pay for college i was working in restaurants (laughs) it was like like, uh okay so yeah i'm getting bad grades in school because i'm bartending till 2 a.m yeah but i really love bartending this is great yeah (laughs) yeah there are weird secondary things like that too where like if you didn't go to college then maybe you wouldn't have made the choices that you oh, did. Yeah. It has nothing oh, to do yeah. with education. It, it, and yeah, that's, that's a rabbit the same. hole and all these different oh, directions uh, yeah, you go down. Yeah, no, I, was, I was an education for sure, major but. for a year and a half. And then, Were you really? Absolutely. That's how I, I met my that. wife. Uh-huh. That's why I met my wife. No shit. Teacher. Yeah, I went to a yeah. teaching school, but I'd worked in restaurants since I was 16. Yeah. It took me a year and a half to realize that what I actually wanted to do was work in restaurants. So kind of having that opportunity to see what you don't want to do and, I'm not the kind of person who wants to sit in a classroom for four more years. Yep. I want it to be up and moving around and like learning on my feet and with my hands and stuff like that. Um, yeah, definitely seeing that. Wow. All right. So flip side, best decision you've ever made in your entire life. doesn't have to be your entire life. Yeah. Best decision you've ever made with this business or entire life. I'll give you anything, whatever you want to say. Uh, I'd, say I'd say moving to Maine. <laughs> there, was a, there was a point uh where i was i was in the berkshires i was i was at a really amazing restaurant and um i was heading the bar program there if you're ever in north adams massachusetts visit public eat and drink uh it's right down the road from uh mass mocha really awesome uh contemporary art museum um but i was making i was making a lot of money there and you know i liked everybody i worked with really great crew uh the ownership of the restaurant was awesome um, the manager was awesome and I was just having fun bartending. Uh, the guests were awesome. Um, but my, my wife was here in Maine and I was just like, at that point we weren't, we weren't married or engaged yet. And I was like, oh, man, like, I really like this, this girl, but like, I, you know, I don't know if I should come to Maine. Like, you know, I've, I'm making a lot of money here. I'm, yeah. I enjoy my job. Um, but I, I think, you know, I can, I, I kind of like came up with the excuse like, oh, I got a, a job at a restaurant in Portland. I can come up here. But really, I was coming here for the girl. So, yeah. um, you know, a year later, I ended up proposing to her and uh, we got married on December 5th. So 
I think, you know, coming to Maine, uh, coming here to be with her, that was probably the best decision I could have made. Sure. Um, yeah. I was I, on the sideline, like, it, it, uh, I guess behind the scenes, I was, I was still kind of a wreck because I, I wasn't with her. So <laughs> I'm definitely I lived away from my wife for a year. Yeah. yeah. And it's awful. Yeah. It's hard shit. Yeah. 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 I would say for me, the biggest thing is kind of along those lines, but yeah, like taking, I'd say like taking risks in your kind of moves in, in your career. So for me, I, I've been working in restaurants for my whole career, but nothing particularly special. And I was in New Hampshire where I was going to college. And then my wife, now my wife at that time, my fiance graduated and we made the big random decisions. I think one day she jokingly said, Hey, want to move to Boston? And I said, yes. Oh. <laughs> um, um, and I was like, yeah, uh, yep. I do oh, okay. actually. <laughs> and she's like, Oh, Oh, okay. And she, she, she found a job first and was like, Oh, well there's a school here that would totally bring me on. And I was just like, yeah, we should go to Boston. Yeah, let's go there. Yeah. Um, and just, I'd say like following for me, the biggest thing was like following and trying to not necessarily find places where you're the strongest, but like I actively tried to find places where I was one of the least knowledgeable people because that's sure. the only way you're going to learn from people and kind of following that at an early age, I thought was kind of my for location age. is what you're saying. Yeah. I'm or, honestly, wherever it has to be for you. Like for me in New Hampshire, there were, there was no one who was going to teach me anything. Anything I had learned about cocktails was because I'd read a book from someone who was hundreds of miles away from me. I, so, I talk on that a lot yeah. because People ask me all the time when I'm saying that like my career is going to be based off of like working with artists and like music and all those things. They're like, why are you not in Nashville or LA? Yeah. Constant all the time. Oh yeah. The reason is because the way that the person that I am in those cities, I love, first of all, love them. Also, you should go to those if you want to get influenced and like learn some shit and like be challenged and like be with people that are huge and and be challenged by it. Like all of that's good stuff. But the way that I am, I, I have my most zen and I can focus and I can be my whole self when I'm in like a more country spot. Like I just am not oh, a city yeah. person to live there. I need space and I need to like wander and like all of that makes me more creative and it, it makes me more myself where like just the fact of being in a city, I can go and like I've been in like Florence or like all these crazy cities that are like New York and all these, like I've been in them for months and stuff like that. And you adapt a little bit, but at the end of the day, even after a good amount of adaptation, I'm still just like stressed. Oh, yeah. And I'd come into sessions stressed or I'd come into places stressed. And I was like, you know what? I'll just find a way to make it work in a more rural place. I'll get the income somehow. Oh, yeah. We have the internet 2020 figure. Everyone figured out, Oh, I can work from home. There's just a million different ways. And so it's like, Go to where it calls you. Yeah. You know I, what I mean? I think it's regardless, just, like you should definitely follow your heart and be like in the situation that you find most comfortable. Yeah, you should also experience things like try living in a city for a little. Definitely, yeah. try, try living exactly. somewhere yeah. rural for a little. Mix bit. it up. Like, don't be afraid to like put yourself on the line a little bit. No, no, I definitely don't say like, stay in one spot your whole life. Yeah, but I like living. But you don't have to move anywhere to do a thing for the most part. Yeah. There's some special things. Especially now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and when you're, when you're younger, like if you're like in your early twenties, you're not sure what you want to do. Don't get too tied down to anything. Like take risks. It, be, force yourself to be on. Yes. All the time. Try to learn, find a mentor, you know, be passionate. Yeah. Be passionate. That's, that's huge. Yeah. Cool. 
What is a resource that you'd recommend the audience? Could be a book, a video, website, anything. It, it can be based off of this specifically. It can be off of whatever you want. What's a good resource you recommend? There, there was a, a book that I read probably three or four years ago. I'm trying to remember the name of the author. It's called The Humble Inquiry by, I think it's Edgar Sheen. Ed Sheen, something like that. Okay. Um, it's a very, very short book. It's like, I think it's like, 75 to 100 pages but the basic concept of this book is ask instead of tell so learning how to ask questions instead of thinking that you know the answer there was uh there was a point where if i had opened a place like this i would have been extraordinarily closed-minded i would have been nope this is the way we're doing it blah 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 and you can get the hell out of the door yeah. If you're not going to listen to me and I throw a tantrum, I'd throw shit against the wall, whatever. After reading that book, I'm like, oh, this makes a lot of sense. Like uh, maybe I can have some better connections with people and maybe make myself better by asking a question instead of jumping to a conclusion. There was uh, one day. Uh, actually, this has happened over the course of opening this place where you guys have wanted to do things with food. And it would have been very easy for me to go, no, I'm the chef. What, what the fuck are you doing? Get, get out of my kitchen. <laughs> um, Dylan wanted to do a burger. And I'm like, he's like, what do you think? Can I do it? I went, you don't need my permission. Do it. Just tr- try it out. See, see what works. Um, the burger right now is our third best selling item on the menu this month. Like, wow. it's, yeah. And people come in like, that's the best hamburger I've ever had. And yeah, if, if my ego would have gotten in the way, people wouldn't be experiencing something that I didn't think of. Yeah. Wait, let, let go of the ego. Yeah, humble inquiry. I'm pretty sure it was Edgar Sheen. Cool. Let's see. This entire building is based off of a book called Restaurant Success by the Numbers, which that's huh. what thinks a lot, like I think, honestly, and his like approach to like the financial backing of a restaurant I thought was really great. So our entire business plan and everything, the numbers are restaurant success by numbers, success by the numbers. I think it's the second edition. Yeah. He and I, he and I listen to that. I'm a big audio book person, like audio listener, podcast, but yeah, it's, uh, I've I've listened to that countless times. Our, every, I, I essentially create a spreadsheet that like replicates his stuff and that's what our stuff is based off of. And then I'd say the other biggest thing for me is, Setting the Table by Danny Meyer. Um, yeah, that's great. Is like, he essentially, I don't know, he's the backbone of enlightened hospitality in the world. Mm. He kind of like has radiated that into what started in New York City. He's like the owner, creator of like Gramercy Tavern, like 11 Madison Park, all, all those places. But his book on just his approach to restaurants and hospitality and everything has always been a, a big part of kind of my career and, and how I've approached things. So yeah, I'd say that if, if you work in the restaurant industry and you haven't read that, you should, I've worked places where that was required reading before you start. Wow. Stuff like that. Cool. So read it. It will change your life if you haven't and you work in the industry. Cool. I think that book can actually be honestly, yeah. Like even if you're not, even industry, if you're not in the restaurant industry, set, it's yeah, a lot setting, of really good information is, on there. Yeah, it's, it's pretty incredible. He's he's yeah, a, a crazy enlightened <laughs> human being who essentially just focused on what actually was important in hospitality mm. and what makes a hospitality person a hospitable person hospitable. Huge those aspects yeah. and 
he has this whole concept of like 51 percenters who are like mostly people who are able to like like to feel and to relate to people versus just people who can learn stats and stuff like that right kind of having that whole thing and yeah his concepts are just top-notch so cool yeah i'd say the biggest resource for me i guess um probably liquid intelligence by dave arnold i really that's what got me into craft cocktails cool and got me to be more passionate about uh bartending and the restaurant industry in general is to just like get really nerdy about it and break down the science behind cocktail making. He does a lot of fun stuff with, uh, I guess, the scientific method and just trying to figure out like what makes a great cocktail. And he, he's also the inventor of some funky stuff for like cooking and, and bartending. Um, really, really cool book. If you if you're at home bartending and you miss like those craft cocktails, definitely check that book out. Which is going up right now. Huge yeah, popularity yeah. coming back into that. I'm excited for that. Yeah, and I think you know. In historic times like this, you know, with, with a global pandemic going on, every time something happens, like a Great Depression, mm-hmm. a war, a global pandemic, uh, the bartending world changes because uh, it has to. Yeah. Uh, people people are going to want to drink. <laughs> They're yeah. going to want a good drink, too. Um, although I'm not against a warm shot of tequila. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. And so I'd, I'd say that book and then just, you know, the people around you. If if you're if there's somebody who's intelligent and you know they know something, you know try to get that knowledge for yourself. Yeah. Um, the the two, like I, I'd say, the biggest thing that you know I, I saw on Chase and Tyler immediately when once I started working with them at Liquid Riot was like, hey, these guys are smart and they know stuff that I don't know. Like, teach me that stuff. Like Tyler would be in the kitchen doing something. Uh, making something funky and I'd be like what are you doing like how do you do that like what's the process of it yeah uh, same thing with Chase like I'd be you know I'd be making a cocktail and like thinking I'm a hotshot bartender but like I know he knows he knows his shit so like I'd be like dude like taste this cocktail like what is it what does it need like I, I can make a good cocktail taste it give me your perspective like how do I, how do I make it great you know right um, yeah cool alright so last one is the easiest where do people find you if they want to see, keep up with you guys? Like, how do they find Craft Curbside? Yeah. So the best way is social media. I think that's kind of the biggest thing right now. Um, Instagram, we're at Craft Curbside. Facebook, we're at Craft Curbside. And then the, the website is like our most up-to-date because we're so hyper-locally sourced and everything's so fresh, it, it rotates frequently and what we have available depends on not not just it's not like we just go to the store it's has the farmer milked the cow that day yep. <laughs> things like that um which are like multi-step processes but that is your best way to see what we actually have for food that day what's the website uh craft yeah yep, cool so nice and straightforward really i'd say easy to use interface to order online with us we do curbside pickup through yep. there so just put in your um, the time that you're picking it up, you click everything for your order, and then a, a little description of your car. We have a pretty good vantage point for, yeah. and we've gotten a lot better at like looking for 
um, makes and models of cars. Like, okay, the, um, <laughs> yeah, we've learned a lot about cars. <laughs> yeah, the, the great Honda 2010 yeah. CRV is uh, pulling up. I think we'll that's do an experiment here someday. We'll yeah, have yeah, like straight up like a, a 2001 yeah. to 2018 <laughs> Honda yeah. Civics and silver. Yeah, exactly. like, yeah, we'll, we'll see how we do. Seven, yeah. seven, <laughs> and, you can, and you can only look at the side mirror. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that's definitely, especially with like like the, the daily specials we've talked about, and then things like. Oh, we're headed into Valentine's Day, so like we have a Valentine's Day pre-order menu right now. Sick. So you can like pre-order stuff ahead of time as well. So going into it, you can do it. Same with we did it for Thanksgiving, like huge pre-orders of like turkeys and yeah. stuffing and everything. Cool. So headed into Valentine's Day for the next bunch of weeks. You can go on the website, pre-order. You can call us and pre-order. And put some pretty tasty dinners on there for yeah. sure. So and um, our phone number is also a really good resource because if you call, you're going to get. Uh, for the foreseeable future, one of the three owners. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, who, so yeah you'll probably get some good information. If you perfect. Yeah. <laughs> so if you have questions about stuff, just uh, yeah. straight up call their shop and you'll talk to someone that was on the show. How's that listeners? Yeah. Yeah, the, <laughs> the number, the number is two Oh seven, six, five, seven, 10, 87. Yeah. Sick. And yeah, we're here 11 to six, seven days a week. And then Fridays we sell so much pizza. We stay open till eight. So. Word. Um, yeah. 81 West gray road. Right off the highway. So. Cool. Nice and once again, people, if you are hitting up craft, hit me up and I will definitely come meet up with you because I live like a mile from their place, which is pretty bomb. So if you're out there and you want to check out these links and you're in the middle of something because you're on podcast, uh, all of those links will be in the show notes. So don't have to write anything down. Just check out below and you can check that stuff out and go right over to them. But uh, thank you guys so much for having me thank tonight. Yeah, really about appreciate it. All this stuff here. And, uh, it's pretty cool to like. You did this in the shop. So cool. Yeah. I love doing that here. Yeah. There's something about being in someone's business and talking about it yeah. that's different than like being on Zoom and like your rumors. It's just a different thing. Like yeah. this is what you guys made. This yeah. is crazy. You know. So thank you guys so much for having me here. Yeah. And it's yeah. Exciting to like be in startup mode the same time that you guys yeah, got sure. here and, and yeah, look forward neighbors. to being <laughs> being grayers. Yeah, I don't know what you'd call it. <laughs> Grayettes. Yeah, they're, they're Patriots here. That's the Patriots in gray. It's their high school mascot. Oh, really? The Patriots. Yeah. No way. Yeah, yeah. As long yeah. as they don't draft Cam Newton. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, guys. Thank you, guys, for watching on live. If you didn't catch all of this, this episode will be out on podcast form not next week, but the week after that. We're a little bit behind from the live session, so I've got a buffer in case life gets extra crazy. So thank you guys so much for joining us live. Thank you again, Kraft, for being on for another episode of the Waking Up From Work podcast. Peace.